Hey, it's good to see everybody today. Um, uh, I don't know about you. How many ladies you went and like um, got you got some new earrings or a new outfit, a mother's day outfit? Does anybody else do that? Listen, I went out of the box. I'll just tell you today, and um, I got I got this. Uh, it's a dress. It, they call this a dress. My mom would not call this a dress, y'all. And I, of course, I wear it with uh, yes, pants or leggings or something. But it has holes in it. You pay, you know, to get this thing with holes in it, and you pay a lot of money for the holes in there. But so I was really trying because I want to, you know. Paul said you got to be, uh, you know, a Greek to the Greek and a Jew to the Jew and Gentile to the Gentile, you know, you to to reach people. And so I endeavor to do that, but within boundaries, you know. So um, this one actually, it actually has patches though. So they're really not holes. <laughs> so they're, they look like they're holes, but they're not holes. So uh, ladies, I encourage you to do something different. Have fun. Uh, it is your Mother's Day. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all of you who are mom, or maybe you're like a mom to someone. You have influence in someone's life. We want to say thank you. I hope you got to enjoy some of that good food. And uh, thanks to Ashlyn who made those amazing sliders. If you uh, had some of those, she is a master chef. And I hear she uh, has some crawfish recipes. We may have to tap on her for that next Sunday too and maybe have like a women's crawfish pot versus a men's crawfish pot or something. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see and have a little competition at the ladies' crawfish boil. It'll be lots of fun. <laughs> It'll be fun. Uh, how many of you, men included, this isn't just for the ladies today, uh, how many of you... Uh, know how to multitask? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Don't do it well, I heard. Okay. Um, how many of you, um, how many of you uh, drive and talk on the phone? Even if it's, if it's through the speakers in your car? Okay, good. How many of you are sitting in a meeting and you're replying to emails? But you're in the meeting, in the boardroom or something, and you're, or, or maybe you're on a, um, a video conference call, and yet you're, you're cooking off to the side, you're fixing dinner, or you're replying to emails, okay? What about um, uh, you can chat on the phone and cook dinner? Uh, you can cook dinner and help the kids with their homework, right? All of us have done that, right? How many of you think you're a master at multitasking? Has anybody got it down? Some? Okay. Okay, good. Okay. Well, let's let, you know, today, in, in the day we live, um, we kind of thrive on being able to do more than one task at a time. Doesn't that seem to be in society like you've got to be able to do a lot more than just one thing at a time? Because, I mean, where has the time gone? And I've got to fit it all into today, right? Moms, have you ever felt this way? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, multitasking. Let me tell you just a little bit about multitasking. Um, it's not actually multitasking. It's actually called task switching, in case you didn't know. There, multitasking is really impossible. It's called task switching. It means moving back and forth between several tasks, and it actually wastes productivity because your attention is expended on the act of switching gears, plus you never get fully in the zone for either activity. Does anybody relate to that? I totally can relate to that. Don't get in the zone. Or you're trying to study and you're trying to do something else for school. Oh, my gosh. I'd, yeah. Praise the Lord. Grace. In fact, it probably takes you longer to finish two projects. Uh, they say that you make, the experts estimate that switching between tasks can cause 40% less productivity. So sometimes we think we're doing more. 
but we're actually doing less because we're not putting our attention fully on something. Listen, I'm preaching to myself today, so you know. It can actually stress you out. They found that those who received a steady stream of messages, constantly checking their phone, checking their email, and they stayed in a perpetual high alert mode, and their heart rates were elevated. So throughout the day, if you're constantly checking, you're staying in a high, high alert mode. And it says those without constant emails Uh, without constant email access, did less multitasking, and they were less stressed because of it. Actually healthier. So as you're missing out on life, 75% of college students were walking across a college campus, and they were on their phone, and it said they missed the clown on on the unicycle riding right next to them. And it said a lot of them even glanced up, and they saw it, but it never registered in their brain. 75%. How many times do we do this? I'm so guilty, y'all. I've done this so many times. I'm trying to do one thing, and I I think I'm being more effective, but I'm actually being less, less productive. And experts call it inintentional blindness, saying that even though they were technically looking, it never registered on their brain. And then it even goes in to talk about how it can hurt relationships. Have you ever been in a serious conversation, and it's getting a little passionate, like heated, but listen, you are, listen, this is what happened. Hang on, just hang on, it's buzzing. Hang on just a second. Yes, now come on, listen. Are you listening to me? You know, and somebody's checking their phone. How many of you find it, uh, maybe it comes off as a little rude? Yes, it totally does. It can actually, um, actually mess up some relationships. Uh, oh, listen to this one. It makes you overeat. <laughs> I know, right? We're all going to stop multitasking, y'all. It makes you overeat. It says being distracted during mealtimes. Okay, we got any, I watch TV while I eat, people. Ever done that? Check emails. You're on your computer, and you're trying to cram for a test. You're trying to finish an essay or something you've got to send in and eat your ramen noodles or something at the same time. It says here, it says uh, being distracted during mealtime can prevent your brain from fully processing what you've eaten. And because of that, you won't feel as full, and you may be tempted to keep eating, uh, and you eat again in a short time later. And people, they actually recommend um, that you don't turn on the TV while you're eating, and you truly pay attention to your food. So uh, that's very interesting. You overeat. So then it goes on to it dampens your creativity, and it can be dangerous. Um, I think that even happened here not too long in our own town. Somebody was crossing a street may have been on a phone and hit by a car. So we we can see multitasking when we think, and I am so guilty of this, when I think I'm being more productive and I'm taking care of more stuff and I've got, you know, one hand in a pot over here and one hand in a pot over here and I'm accomplishing more. We're actually accomplishing less. But the dangerous part is how many times do we take that same attitude into our prayer life? We take that same attitude of multitasking and wanting to do as much as we can and wanting to be as effective as possible because I want to make sure that I get all of this done. And we come before God. God, I got this going on today. I got this going on today. I got to pack my bag. Where's my stuff? And God, I need help with this. And uh, here, let me get this Bible out of the way. And oh, yeah, God, um, my daughter, she's got some things going on at school. Lord, we need some help on that. Oh, I got to respond to this email right here. Let's see. Oh, send. Here you go. Hold that for me. Thank you. Thank you. And God, thank you so much for today. Woo! Glory to God. You are king. You're Lord. Talk to you later. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Anybody ever done that in your prayer time? And I know definitely we have times when we come before God and he understands, he does understand. But if you are constantly and perpetually coming before the Lord in that manner, it will come off as rude to God. We don't want to be there, right? We don't want to cross that line. So there's times when you need to give him all of your attention, James 5.16, it says it, in your, um, it, says it in, your, in your bulletin. It says, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. The earnest, heartfelt prayer. And really the heart behind today's message, because believe it or not, yes, I prayed, and I've been asking the Lord for weeks, Lord, what, what do you want for today? What do you have for today? And prayer was really coming up strong in my, in my heart. And there's a million different ways I could have gone with prayer. I said, God, what do you want? And he said, I, I want him to know how to pray better. Did you know you can pray better? There is a better way to pray. How many of you say that every time you pray, you get results? Okay, no hands went up. What about when you pray and you get results about 75% of the time? Maybe. We got a maybe. What about you pray and you get results 50% of the time? Okay, I got got three on that. What about you pray and you get 25% of the time you get results? Okay, a few more hands. What about you pray and you feel like you don't ever get results? Sure, I know, I know I've been there. I've prayed and I felt like nothing is happening before. But listen, there is a way that you can become better in your prayer life. You can become more effective and with a heartfelt prayer and get results. Because believe it or not, God wants you. He actually he, he wants you to want to get results. He intends for you to get results when you pray. He wants to bless you, and he wants to answer you. But sometimes Jesus said that we ask amiss. Either our motives in our heart are wrong, or our approach before the King of kings and the Lord of lords is wrong. We're multitasking, and we're not giving him the honor that he deserves. Or we're just doing it wrong. We learned wrong. Or or we could be more efficient and more effective in our prayer life. The King James Version of James 5.16 says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And the Greek word there for effectual, it means to energize, working in a situation which brings it from one stage or one point to the next, like an electrical current energizing a wire, bringing it into a shining light bulb. God expects, his word says that when you have effectual, fervent prayer, something will energize the words that are coming out of your mouth and bring life or light to that situation that you are praying about. That's what he wants. Anyway, that's what's supposed to be happening. But I feel like there's a disconnect in the body of Christ and our prayer life and God trying to answer our prayers. Because he's, he's, he's trying to get stuff to us this morning. Does that make sense? 
He's trying to get something to you. So I encourage you to take everything you did know and park it on the side and just pay attention with the listening ear this morning because he wants you to get something out of this. Earnest. Earnest means resulting from or showing sincere and intense conviction. An earnest prayer. Showing sincere. When you come to God, is there sincerity in your heart, in your words? It says showing sincerity. Showing sincere and intense conviction. Are you showing him anything? And it's not a show before God, but it does matter. It does matter. Effectual means successful in producing a desired or intended result. Effective. An effectual prayer, a successful in producing a desired or intended result. Our prayers are supposed to produce a desired and an intended result. I think sometimes when we pray, we're kind of just like, it it would be like shooting arrows in any which direction and expecting to hit the deer that's that way. But yet we kind of just, our arrows are just like flying, maybe even going this way. But we're trying. We're putting some arrows out there, but there's no aim. In prayer, you can actually have an aim because there's a target when you begin to pray. How many hunters do we have in here? Ladies, come on, be bold if you hunt. I brought my bow. I haven't pulled it in a while, so I'm not going to try because I may pull my shoulder out. <laughs> I don't know how tight the cams are, but uh, I've got, if you'll bring my, my target on up here. I want to talk about aim for a minute in prayer. Listen, God wants your heart in your prayer. It's supposed to be a heartfelt, sincere prayer. And you're supposed to expect to get results. So we're going to pray at the close of service in just a little bit. And I want you to pray like something's going to happen. I'm praying this today. I'm coming before God today. And I expect, I expect a change. I expect a result, whatever it is. So we've got a target here. And I think really what the Lord showed me was... uh, we all have things that we want to focus on in prayer, right? Yeah? We do. If it's a relationship, if it's a job, if it's grades, if it's your future, what's the next step? We all have a target. Maybe you got, you got multiple targets, things you're aiming for. But today, I want you and I to walk away being able to stand in front of our target and pull back our bow and for the arrow to actually come somewhere, on this square, on this target, and not just somewhere, but you can actually hit the middle. You can learn how to hit the middle, the bullseye, every time. Let's look at it. There's three things I want to talk about today. First of all, to aim in the right direction, to be able to hit the bullseye, the first blank there is pray the word. Pray using the word of God. That's your Bible. Pray using scripture. Hebrews 4.12, and just like he mentioned, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And in Ephesians, the Bible refers to itself as our sword. How in the world am I supposed to use my sword? This is my sword. It's, It's a little tattered, but it's got character battle wounds. It's like another notch on my belt, so I use it. <laughs> this is my sword right here, and, it, and it's, yes, I may get a case for it soon because it's, it is so blessed, y'all. It's so blessed. This is my sword, but what changed my life was when I used how to pull out my sword and use my sword, and my sword is not for cutting people. 
My sword is not for that. But when I have a situation that I face and I'm, I'm putting a target on its back, then I pull out my sword and I go to work. And just like in Revelations, it says Jesus has a sword that's coming out of his mouth. Well, if we're made in the image of God and Jesus's sword comes out of his mouth, where do you think our sword is supposed to come out of? How do we use our sword? Out of our mouth. And, and a lot of times it's good it's, it's good when you get little pieces, you know, pieces of it in your prayer. But whenever you start doing stuff like this, like if you open to the first page, it's good stuff. Or page two. For instance, number one, it says Psalm 4-3. The scripture says, but know the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Then it says, confess according to Psalm 4-3 that your child has been set apart to serve God. So then I say, God, according to your word, your word says in Psalm 4-3 that Ansley and Noble have been set apart to serve you. That's your promise and that's your word, God. I didn't say it and I didn't make this up. Your child will, it says, your child will not serve the devil. My child will not serve the devil. My child will not take some, some uh, rampant thing when they get in their teenage years. I can actually start speaking against that now. And you know what? I'm taking my arrows out, and I'm already starting to focus on that target. I'm already starting to focus on that target. Before my kids ever get to be teenagers, before they were born, I started confessing over my children. I called them by name. Because I started to learn about this years and years ago. My children love God. They'll serve God with me. My children's spouses will love the Lord with all of their heart, and they will serve the Lord with us, no matter what that be. I don't expect them to be pastors. God, whatever you call them to do, they'll serve the Lord together, husband and wife, wholeheartedly. I already pray. I already pray for their futures. I'm getting pulling my arrow back. And I'm aiming. The scripture, when you start to use the word of God, you, you're beginning to aim now in the right location. You're getting your footing right, and you're stepping in front of your target, and you're not just shooting like this. I know there's a target. I'm close. But you get the word of God out, and you aim for the target. His word cuts through situations, and it reestablishes order. If you need order in your life, start speaking the word of God over your life, and it will bring order. The word of God always brings order into situations. Praying the word means reading or reciting scripture in a spirit of prayer and letting the meaning of the verse become our prayer and inspire our thoughts. And, and I remember hearing some, some people say, um, or like a, you know, a preconceived notion, that, well, that's not heartfelt. You know, you're reading something. And, and uh, it is possible, it's totally possible to do that and it not be heartfelt. But like, for instance, you know, I've got my, you've heard me mention about my notebook here. I got to get a new one. This thing's busting, it seems. But I'll take, and I, I did this a couple weeks ago, the names of God. And, and I'm reading this out of here. El Elyon, the very highest. That speaks of his absolute right to lordship. And that comes out of Deuteronomy 26, 19. And so I am reading that. But yet I put my heart into it. I say, God, you are El Elyon. You are the very highest. You're higher than anything I could face. You're higher than my family. You're higher than me. You're way higher. God, you're the absolute Lord over my life. I submit to you. I give you room today, and I ask for you to be the highest, the biggest thing in my family. You are the most high, and I want you in my family, God, more than anything. I want you to have absolute lordship. Now, do you think that was heartfelt or not? 
So I'm using it. I'm using the word. I'm using scriptures, but I'm putting my whole heart into it. Does that make sense? It would be like, uh, you know, we had a, um, we had a, a book uh, years ago that Kevin had read from Ronald Reagan, and uh, it was all the love letters that he had composed for Nancy over the years. And so then Nancy would sit down and, and, you know, read those letters. And it kind of talked about their relationship. It was so sweet. It was precious. And uh, it really exposed a side of him that you don't, don't normally get to see, you know. But those letters were written. So when she went to read them, or if he would stand there and read them to her, was his whole heart in it? But he was reading something. But his whole heart was still in it, right? So you take the word of God and you put your whole heart into it. And you say, God, your word says, and I'm standing on your word. It helps you to aim. Let me get back where I was. Sorry, y'all. All right, the second one is pray out loud. Listen, when you pray out loud, I've got some arrows here. Because sometimes we, we start to aim and we get scriptures, and, and when we're thinking about it in our mind, that's good, because the Bible does say to meditate, but, but that actually means to mutter. You actually involve your mouth whenever you meditate, to meditate on the Word of God. And, and if, we're, if we're just thinking about it, and we've got the Word out, we're looking up scriptures, but we're not using our mouth, it's like taking this arrow and doing this. You're trying... Now, now watch, I may even hit the target. In Jesus' name. <laughs> so I hit it. But it, wait a minute. But I'm thinking it right now. It's, what's going on? What's it doing? It's falling off. There's no force behind it, right? There's no power behind it. When you get your mouth moving and you put the word of God in your mouth, that's your sword. There is some power coming forward. There is some wonder-working power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and you are shooting it with force into your situation. Whatever your target is, there is some power. And, baby, that thing's going to stick. When I start saying out loud, God, you said in Psalm 4-2 that my children are set apart. So I don't care where they go today. I don't care who says what at school today. My children are set apart. There is a clear divide between them and the world. God, you did it. You said it. And your word is true. So you start. And when you start to do that, when you start to use the word and you speak it out of your own mouth, this boldness rises up on the inside because it's not me. And it's not my word, but my confidence is in him. So you start to speak the word, and there's this boldness and this confidence that rises up on the inside. And that comes, that's because the word of God was made to be spoken. God spoke it so that it could be written down, and it was written down so that you and I could pick it up and speak it. The word of God was meant to be spoken. God said, let there be light, all the way back in Genesis. He didn't think light. The Bible says, God said, let there be light. And then light was. So for you and I, when we put his word in our mouth and we begin to speak it, you may not see change right away. And you may. But you sure won't see any change until you pick it up, begin to speak his word out of your mouth. And listen, today I'm talking about specifically going to God with request. 
There's times when you should go to God and you spend time in his presence and you don't ask him for anything. If you don't have any time with God like that, you need to. You just thanksgiving and praising him and worshiping him. Sing some of the, you know, songs. That's why we specifically pick specific songs, you know, that speak the word and praise the name of the Lord. You start there. Go before him with thanksgiving. But when you come before him and you need, you have great need, God sees that. And he wants so bad. He wants to answer. And he wants to provide more than you want it, I promise. But we've, we've got to make sure we're doing our part right. Even our salvation requires a spoken confession. According to Romans 10.10, 10, it says, It's with your heart that you believe and you're justified. And with your mouth, you confess and you're saved. So you see there your heart and your mouth in the very beginning of your Christianity, making Jesus the Lord of your life, your heart and your mouth both play a role together. Together. God made it this way for a reason. With your heart, you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, and, and that makes you justified. That's what gives you right standing with him. But with your mouth, you confess, and you're saved. It's a mechanism that works together, and both have to happen in order to function. Both have to happen. All right, the third thing, right in on number three, says pray in Jesus' name. Come on, this is part of that force that breaks through anything because you're not coming to God. Because the thing is, we pray to God in the name of Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit. There's the Trinity for you. We actually don't pray to Jesus, and sometimes it may come out that way, but that's okay. Have you ever had a kid from the toddler class, or maybe your child was a toddler, and they come to you, Mama, I, 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 some, some wawa. And you know exactly what that means. It's like, my child wants water, right? So when you come before God, don't get all tripped up on, am I saying it right? It is important, and we're learning some intentional stuff here today. But don't let that get you hung up like, oh, gosh, I don't know if I said it right. Because the devil will beat you in the brains trying to make you back off from speaking God's word and from going before him. Just know that God loves your chatter. Even if it comes out wrong or one time you say Jesus instead of God or you said the Holy Spirit when you should have said Jesus or that's okay. He knows. And he's just glad you're making the effort. Listen, his name. How many of you ever name dropped before? You laughed. <laughs> Anybody, you name job? Got you access? You, you tried? Hey, one time we were, uh, we were visiting my sister, and they had like this, um, she lives in the mountains out west, and they have this uh, open-air concert, very, very popular music, and sun was setting, and it was so beautiful. But we got, uh, it was B.B. King who was playing. This was like at the very end uh, it was jamming, man. It was at the very end of when he was touring, and um, they rocked it. Anyway, if you like jazz music, um, he, um, his tour bus was off to the side, and my sister was like, come here, follow me. Come here, follow me. And so we went up, and, and I had no clue what we were doing. I just thought it was over, and we're trying to get out. We're going to go eat dinner or something. Uh, and then this guy stopped me. My sister had kind of walked on a little bit. She was just a little bit ahead of me. And uh, this guy stopped me. He's like, where are you going? I was like, uh, I'm with the Baileys. I'm, I'm with the Baileys. And he goes, okay, come on. And we went on his tour bus. There was about 10 of us. And we went and sat in his tour bus and spent about 20 minutes with him. And got, he would just talk to him, ask him personal questions. And uh, it was so candid, so fun. So, uh, but it was because I dropped that name, I had access to get in to special places. 
It gave me the right to go somewhere I couldn't otherwise go. So whenever you pray and you take the word of God and you speak it out of your mouth and you pray aiming at a target and then you close it off by saying, in the name of Jesus, his authority, his power, his merit, his righteousness, that's what gives me the ability to even ask this. That's what gives me the access, the ability to come before God Almighty, creator of the heavens and earth, the El Elyon, the most high God. Because sometimes the enemy wants to keep you out to tell you that you're not worthy or bring shame and remind you of every time you've missed it right when you sit down to pray. Because then you can't come boldly and you don't feel like you can use his name. And you don't even want to open your Bible because you feel shriveled up like you don't deserve. And in our own self, we don't. But because Jesus died on the cross, his amazing gift is his blood and his name. His amazing gift to us, what he died for, is for us to have the right to use his name. For us to have the right to apply his blood, which is protection, over our life, over our children. Because nothing is stronger than the blood of Jesus. Nothing is stronger than the name of Jesus. Nothing is higher than his name. Every knee will bow at his name. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So these here, man, for us to go from being 25% effective in our prayer to 50% effective in our prayer to 75, man, I want 100. We should expect for 100% effective or 100% results when we pray. And it may not always end up the way you thought, but always go into prayer with an intention and a desired result. Something's going to change here because Jesus gave me his name. His name has all the authority. John 14, I put those scriptures there. And this is in red letters. Are they in red letters in yours? I don't know. It says, you can ask for anything in my name and I'll do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And, and right there it says, bring glory to the Father. Your prayers should bring glory to God. God, I'm asking you for healing in this person's body. God, for your glory, because your word says I can come before you. And in the name of Jesus, you want them to be healed even more than I do. So I thank you for the power of God, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead at work in his body. The Bible says I can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So right now by faith, I lay hands on this person and I believe to see results in Jesus' name. Man, you start praying like that. And listen, it takes all the pressure off of you. Because he just, he just wants you to step out there and do it and use your mouth. And he's the miracle worker. He's the performer. It's not you. It's not you. It's, it's about him. John 16 says, at that time, you won't need to ask me anything. I tell you the truth. You'll ask the Father directly, and he will grant you the request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Asking, using my name, you will receive, and you will have abundant joy. The other reason, the other result, we're supposed to have joy. Number one, our prayers are supposed to glorify God. Make sure what you're asking God to do will bring him glory. And number two, he wants you to have joy. He expects you to have joy. 
We should go into prayer expecting for joy. Listen, it's not just an ending to a prayer. Sometimes we think it's just a signal prayer's over. Ah, in Jesus' name, amen. No, there's power. There's power in the name. I encourage you, next time you pray and you end it off with in Jesus' name, uh, give a little uh in there. Put your heart all the way into it. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, so be it. It's good stuff. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God said, uh, I'm sorry, John said, John 8, Jesus said, He that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please the Father. You're coming in his name, the one who always pleases the Father. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You come to him in the name of the one who pleases him. So right there, that discredits any of our fault, any of our failure. In any way that we don't measure up. Because we come in the name of Jesus, all that is washed by the wayside. And God wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear you use the name of Jesus. It's powerful. Listen, it will, it will actually stick right in the middle of that target. It's powerful. And you can look up, there's some, some other scriptures uh, in 2 Corinthians. You know, Paul talks about uh, we're ambassadors. We're ambassadors for Christ. And so whenever an ambassador goes into another country, he goes with the authority of his government, with the authority of his president. And whatever he needs, it's there. He's not going in his own name. And so that's how we are. When we go to God in prayer in the name of Jesus, we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We go in his authority. Hallelujah. Listen, there's, uh, there's some, more, uh, some more things we could touch on prayer. Just write down Romans 8. I encourage you all, listen, if you want to hit the bullseye with power every single time, read Romans 8 and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal some things to you. Because it says the Holy Spirit helps us pray in harmony with God's will. In other words, the Holy Spirit helps you to pray perfectly. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that is a powerful way to prayer powerful way to pray. There's so many times I can tell you in my life when I didn't know what to pray. I knew it was in the Bible somewhere, but I didn't know where to find it. And I knew I wanted to stand on the word of God and say, God, your word says, but I didn't know where to find it. But I knew God was good and whatever was going on in my life, there was challenge or, or whatever was going on. And so I said, Holy Spirit, help me to pray for this right now. I don't even know what to say. And then I would just begin to pray in my prayer language. And as I do that, tremendous peace would come. Holy Spirit is such a helper. His other job is to help. He reveals Jesus to you every time you get in the word. He's amazing. He's amazing. So I, I encourage you to get to know the Holy Spirit. Speak to him and just tell him if, you, if you've never, if you've never, don't really know if you have a relationship with him. Listen, he's there. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, he's your helper. He's your standby. He's your advocate. He's your teacher. He's your intercessor. That's who the Holy Spirit is. And so just say, Holy Spirit, teach me. I need to know more about you. You just start there. Start there. Listen, the last thing I'm, I'm going to say is uh, 
Jesus said, get up and pray so you don't give in to temptation. So if, if nothing else, if none of this registered about targets or, or about wh- whatever else I said, if nothing else, if you are facing any kind of temptation in your life, addiction, or, or you know you're being pushed or pulled in the wrong direction, when you begin to pray this way with the word of God, out loud with your mouth, in the name of Jesus, you will break free from that temptation. You will break free from addiction. You'll break free from that thing that is so strong because it can be very strong sometimes pulling you in a direction that you know you don't want to go. So this is a powerful way to petition, a powerful way to come before God. And it gets results. And it's not all about the results, but God intended for you and I to get results when we pray. So if we're not, then we just need to stop and check. Am I doing these three things? Am I praying the word? Am I praying it out loud? And am I praying in the name and the authority and the power of Jesus Christ? 